college football talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. From the tailgates. He is a terrible tipper and a terrible human. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. Here are your hosts, Patrick Maher and Andy Staples. This squad is in the house. Place at the Table podcast, week seven college football in the books. And like we said, Andy Staples, boring on paper equals absolute chaos. Bananas. <laughs> what is it? Clemson, Washington, Auburn, Washington State, even San Diego State. Even San Diego State, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just one thing after another. And I, so I was at the Auburn-LSU game, like, falling asleep in the second quarter. 20, 20 to nothing. 20 nothing. My eyelids are, are drooping. I'm like, why? What, what am I doing here? <laughs> then, all of a sudden, LSU starts playing a little defense. That's right. That's right. And Auburn keeps running the same plays over and over. What was that? It's the definition of insanity. Banging your head against the same wall over and over and expecting a different result. Did you did you like fly a kite down to Ed Ogeron on the sideline like with a little note that said, I'm here, don't worry, everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> I'm an agent of chaos. Don't <laughs> don't fret. No, like it, it Andy threw a piece of paper down there, he opened it up, he said, I'm right behind you. It said it, it said it said, put that extra safety in the box, you'll stop carry on Johnson and the Wildcat. I will do another story about you. Hey, <laughs> listen, he's okay. You know what? A lot of jobs have buyout life coming up. A lot of uh Todd Graham, Ed Ogeron. Ogeron, all of a sudden, a bunch of Bill Walsh is running around out there. That's right. We're not going to be talking about Ed Ogeron in that buyout life. That's for sure. We might talk about Butch, though. As we, we most certainly, there's a couple. There are two gentlemen that that we can talk about in that buyout life, and we can we there there are two other names that we can talk about in it, but they probably aren't going to be living it, at least not this year. But but all their fans want them to be. That cash life, let's go back to Friday. You know, I call them barbers, but you can call them babers. I put them in that category, not necessarily Fuentes as last year, uh, but babers and Syracuse uh, beat Clemson, which, I mean, if we said, okay, so if we said Iowa State beating Oklahoma and Norman was the biggest shocker of the year, where would you put Clemson at Syracuse? Equal. Yeah. I'd say that's right. The, The difference is Syracuse is pretty good this year, like, they went down to LSU and nearly came back and won that game. They've been they beat Virginia Tech last year, so I I think maybe maybe a little less shocking the the Iowa State thing just because that was them going on the road to Norman and winning, and they've been a doormat in the league. And Dungey's a stud. Like they're, they're yeah, Eric Dungey's a very good quarterback, and, it's, and Ish, Ishmael the receiver is really good too. Yeah, very good. And so Clemson, so Bryant didn't look right even in the first half before the concussion. Right. And he was hobbling around. You kind of give the kid credit. Hobbling around, but even even with Bryant there and playing, there wasn't, like I said, in the second half of LSU in Syracuse, there wasn't much separation in that first half between Syracuse and Clemson. It was odd. It was. And, and then, but Syracuse could score on them. Clemson couldn't get a stop when it needed to. And that was the most shocking thing to me because so far everything we'd seen from their defense is you cannot score on them. They just dominate you. And they didn't dominate Syracuse. And, you know, it's a tough offense to stop and if they've got a quarterback who can who can move around a little bit because you 
on normal plays, you get rid of the ball fast. If somebody's coming after you, you can you can still find somebody usually if you can move. And so the guy the, the guy can move, but I just I didn't think there'd be an offense other than maybe Alabama's or, or you know some of the Penn States that would be able to score on Clemson when it needed to. They were getting chunk plays up the middle too. Syracuse was running the ball against that yeah. defensive front. It was weird. It was. It, it didn't. I don't know if it just didn't travel short week, whatever it was for Clemson. Um, but they were certain. I mean, they, they they got beaten up. I mean, they, that was Syracuse won that game. It wasn't necessarily like they were punching every time Clemson punched back. Right. Exactly. And I thought so. It was an entertaining game. And then we had we go uh, Pac-12 after dark on a Friday night. And a game that wasn't entertaining. And Wilcox and Cal, absolutely. You just, you just sat there the whole time thinking, okay, Washington State's going to turn it on here. No. Nope. Just kept on expecting Falk to get going, kept on expecting that offense to get going, and it just never materialized. No, it, it didn't. And it, I mean, with Washington State, you, you didn't think they were going to go through the season undefeated, but you didn't think it'd be Cal that did that to them. No, we thought maybe Washington. Yeah. Or yeah, USC, yeah. right? That was that was the issue. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so, so the, shocker in Syracuse, but not necessarily. Look, USC ba- barely got out of Cal and that fourth quarter comeback, and Cal obviously traveled North Carolina. Cal's played well this year, uh, and Wilcox is a completely different vibe than Sonny Dykes, uh, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, no. completely different vibe. Yeah, and, and Wilcox is doing good things with them because they're still not where they need to be talent wise, but that I mean. They can play. Yeah, and if it doesn't... So, for example, like the philosophy, you know, what's happening here in Los Angeles with UCLA. UCLA and that administration might take a look at Cal and say, with Dykes, we were opening it up, we were scoring points, but now a completely mental... I mean, Wilcox and Dykes couldn't be more different, right? As far as what they're they're trying to accomplish. Right. And look at the difference in the way the team plays as opposed to last year with Dykes. Although, I mean, there's still a... They're still a, a, an up-tempo, air-it-out kind of team, but they've got Bo Baldwin running the offense now, uh, who is the, used to be the head coach of Eastern Washington. And Justin Wilcox is the head coach. He's a defensive-minded guy. In terms of tempo, pacing, all that stuff, it still goes through him. So you know, they're not putting their defense at a disadvantage for the sake of their offense. A question for you about Wilcox, though. Wisconsin, USC, Oregon. He had spent just one year at each stop. Washington mm-hmm. with with uh, Sarkeesian, kind of an odd resume. It, it was, and and you know it, there weren't some of the stops weren't very successful. And you know he, he was all right at Tennessee when he was there with Tennessee, with Derek Dooley. yeah. But you know you got to go back to Boise State with with Peterson where he was really successful. Uh, he did okay at Washington. You know, two years at Washington, two years at USC. The the one year at Wisconsin is where you really just sort of wow, okay. And I I wonder because he kind of just took Dave Aranda's defense and because that's what the players knew and kind of ran that. So I wonder how much if, if he picked up something when he absorbed Aranda's defense that made him an even better defensive coach. You just mentioned it, and I didn't even realize he was there with Dooley at Tennessee. Has there ever been a coach that was more overwhelmed and not ready for a position like Derek Dooley at Tennessee? Yes. Okay. There have been a few, but not, I mean, not who just 
stopped like that. I mean, Derek Dooley did not sign a single offensive lineman in his final recruiting class at Tennessee. I don't think that's not good. Like he should have been fired for cause on signing day. <laughs> like we're fired and we're not paying you a dime. Go away. You don't get football. You kind of need an offensive line. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the, that's the thing. It, say what you will about Butch Jones. I, I know all the Tennessee fans are really mad at him. They want to they want to fire him, and it's fine if they want to fire him. They're not getting the results they want, but. When you fire him and you pay him that buyout, say thank you for getting you out of the hole that Derek Dooley left you in because he recruited them out of the hole. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of guys who turned down that job because of the situation Derek Dooley left behind. So you can you can say what you want about Butch Jones now. He did get them out of the hole. Does a name stand out to you as a name that didn't want to touch Tennessee at that point? Well, Charlie Strong turned it down. Hmm. Troy Calhoun turned him down twice. Really? Yeah. He turned him down. Just thinks just that's how bad it was left. It was it was awful. There was a point. And why why in particular? They didn't have good players. No, but he he just couldn't recruit. He could not recruit. They had like a conference USA roster. Where was he? Louisiana Tech before? Yeah. Yeah. He was also the A D there. It's a very strange deal. Yeah, I mean, the hair was on fleek. The orange pants were sweet, and he just—I did, did like the orange pants. Little though. clueless though. Like the orange pants. Now he's coaching wide receivers in the NFL. It's not even That's like right. he's a coordinator. Well, the the best thing they did is you know all the college teams do these wall wraps where they they put the graphics on the walls. So he had a graphic put up that said "Opportunity is now here," except they forgot that there was the now and the here each went on a door. So that the the gap between the doors kind of erased what should have been the space between the words. So it looked like it said opportunity is nowhere. <laughs> right. Well, he, he got that from Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins probably could have coached the volunteers a little bit better as well. Well, I mean, they would have burned their feet, right? Yeah, no, you definitely would have. been. All right. So that's Wilcox at Cal. It, a philosophy, I guess, that's now uh, in in Washington State. It's like you mentioned that you just kept on expecting. <laughs> so, look, he doesn't change much whether he's winning or not, but Leach just kind of looked like whatever. At the, towards the end, he was just like, yeah, we just don't have this. Yeah, it, it, if it's not working, he's just like, yeah. And you know what? They didn't, they didn't play particularly well against Oregon the, the week before. They just – Oregon was not – not good. And you saw Oregon against Stanford. Oregon's not, not with, good. With a third string quarterback, they can't do much. So yeah, I think I think Washington State was kind of due for a turn after that USC game and that they've they've turned and now we'll see if they turn back because they've it it's not it's not easy from here enough for them. Yeah, but important to note as well. I mean, the f- first five games at home, uh, almost got should have got beat by Boise State, who got beat at home by Virginia. Yes, they beat San Diego State. You know, they had the really big. The culmination was USC in that fifth game at home, and now they're going on the road. And Oregon was tough, and Cal got they just got beat. And I think they can beat Colorado. Uh, Arizona is going to be interesting because Khalil Tate is like Johnny Football. All of a sudden, <laughs> this quarterback is ridiculous. He's All right, fun. So- We've been killing Rich Rod for not starting the guy. And and I think we probably can get away with killing him for not starting him in the opener. But he was playing him. And I think the plan was to play him and then everybody see how he was much better than the older guy. And, and then he just beat the starter. He hurt his shoulder early. And then they had to keep him out for a few games. So it took Dawkins getting hurt again for them to put him back in and they put him back in against Colorado and he blows up nice. He ran for a, uh, what, 557 yards in two in two games. That's nuts. And then that I is think, nuts. I think he's thrown it, it, his 
completion percentage. I think he's 21 of 26 throwing the ball. And it's not for a huge amount of yardage because they don't really need to throw the ball because he's running so much. But he's averaging 11-something per per attempt, which is like Mason Rudolph numbers. I think I, I do have it figured out, though. I think that Graham and Rodriguez should just switch teams each year. So then we, <laughs> we, we, we have those two in Washington. We have those two in Arizona. But like one, one year, Graham brings his boy band headset to AZ and then Tempe. And then next thing, Rich Rod starts tripping out and freaking out over at Arizona State. And like when, it, It's not going to be the same without the two of them. Here's the thing. They might both save their jobs. I know. I know. And that's it, like they're actually I mean if you think about it, it was it's now Arizona State beat they just beat Washington obviously, which was is a huge they, win. They I mean, beat or, they beat Oregon. They beat Oregon. I mean, and then who was it? Arizona beat Colorado. Yep. And then now like this is they're actually playing well. <laughs> they, they are. Teams. Well, when I was at Stanford last week, David Shaw told me those guys are pretty good. Arizona State, right? Or yeah, Arizona, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arizona State. Yeah. So they're so they're at Utah. Utah gave USC a great game. Uh, also gave Stanford a good game, but lost both those games. We'll see where Utah's at right now. But Utah, it doesn't have a dynamic offense. Mm-mm. It's you know if Carrington's open, well except for the time he was open on the two-point conversion that would have won him the USC yeah, game. But no. usually, usually if he's open, they throw it to him, and that's that's pretty much their explosive plays. So if Arizona State plays defense the way they did against Washington, they can beat Utah. Now, the numbers say that that's the anomaly because they'd give it up 30 points in 11 consecutive games. So we'll see if they get back to back to normal or if maybe they turned over a new leaf in the Washington. I don't, I don't know. Because Washington could not do squat. That was and wild. It's not like Washington is. Uh, Washington had some offensive linemen injured, but they were not missing skill guys. And and Browning still a pretty good quarterback. Arizona State was getting some pressure, but it wasn't like they were sacking him every play. Maybe it's had overrated Browning. I, I mean, I didn't say he was going to win the Heisman, but he's pretty good. Two years ago, we thought he might. Maybe. Hey, I think dude, everybody's so, gonna win the highest. Since yeah, since we're doing Pac-12 right now so heavily, I, I figured you're in Gainesville. R.I.P. Tom Petty. Let's do a little theme here, Pac-12 style. Is it is a complete breakdown? I like it. This is the question. Or when talking about their playoff chances, can we just simply say, dude, you're done. Don't come around here Don't no more. Don't come around here. Wow. How you like that? Lots of Tom Petty. <laughs> like so, it is definitely a breakdown. I mean, if you think about the Pac-12 it, this season. It is. So Stanford's here, probably the best team in the Pac-12. At, at this point, maybe. Maybe. So, Washington can win out and probably still make the playoff. Because I just don't see there being a bunch of undefeated teams above them. I think, you know, maybe Alabama's undefeated. But right. I can't imagine there being a whole bunch of undefeated teams. I mean, if USC aren't, wins aren't out, left. think about if that. If USC wins out, they're fine. Because of that schedule, it's a hard schedule. They have one loss. It's on the road on a Friday night. That'd be fine. USC's not going to win out. USC's. Gonna, I think USC's going to lose this weekend. Right. This is a big week. Come by the way, week eight on paper looked like what we expected from week seven on paper. But it, which, which, which means it's going to be dogs. All dogs. <laughs> yeah. Terrible games. All right. Congratulations, Pac-12. And you know what? 
I guess about three and a half years in here in Los Angeles, and I, not that I'm defensive, of, but I enjoy watching Pac-12 football. Pac-12 football is great, but the difference is because you're not a native West Coaster, you don't mind night games. Mm-mm. You understand that football at night is awesome, but people who grew up in the West don't get that. The games are supposed to be at one, man. We got things to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm from the South. We got nothing to do. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> and speaking of which, you were, where? Death Valley. Uh, LSU, you mentioned. So 20, 20 nothing jump by Auburn. Auburn kind of laying in the weeds in the SEC, kind of maybe pointing towards Alabama. Excuse me, Atlanta. But I, what happened? All of a sudden, LSU starts defending. And you mentioned it was weird with Malzahn and they're just running this almost feel well, Groundhog's you know, Day. They always talk about the three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And and if you win two of three, you'll win the game. That was a classic case of winning two of three. Because LSU certainly didn't win on offense. They didn't score an offensive touchdown in the second half. Right. Now they, they Okay, Danny Etling made some big third down throws that kept drives alive that got them field goals. Or that kept them eating clock, but or I guess just kept the ball away from Auburn and kept their defense off the field for a little longer. But their offense was not dynamic by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they had two good drives in the first half, but special teams. You had the DJ Shark punt return for a touchdown. The field goal kicker was fantastic. That was that was the difference. That was the game right there. What was the vibe there amongst the student section, amongst alum? Where, right. where does LSU football sit right now? So during the first half, you could see people streaming toward the exits. One side of the stadium stayed full. The side of the stadium that was in the sun, though, and it was really hot out there. The side of the stadium that was in the sun, a lot of people left. Just massive swaths of empty seats. Mm-hmm. And... So, it was kind of restless. There weren't any boos when it was 20 nothing, but it was pretty restless. And then everybody was just kind of on edge when the 2017 came out at halftime. And at that point, it's 23-14. So, the momentum's already started to turn a little bit, but nobody in their right mind thinks LSU's going to win that game at that point. And so, the 2017 takes the field. Les Miles is standing out there holding a crystal football. Gets a huge ovation. Biggest ovation from that crowd to that point for anything involving LSU. For less. So so the guy you fired last year, <laughs> after the Auburn game, mind you, is getting the biggest cheer. Meanwhile, your new coach is in there about to get run out of the building. Right. By the end of the game, I don't think anybody even remembered that Les Miles had been there. They were all pandemonium. It was, it was so loud. I mean, that forget the fact that there were twenty thousand empty seats. The 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 ones that remained were screaming their heads off. And some could say that the waiting was the hardest part. You know, this is incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're all over it. Did, did any? There, there's nobody named Mary Jane. So we can't really talk about her last dance, but yeah. And if if there was, I'm sure there were chicks from America there because I could just work an there American some, girl. There were some American girls, that's for sure. <laughs> Did you happen to talk to Ed after the game? 
Uh, I what not give him not a ride home? Myself. Was he? Were you his Uber ride? <laughs> no, not by myself because he's he's very much in demand. Uh, <laughs> I did I did ask a question. I, I asked him about flipping the the game ball to Danny Etling, and he told me that he it was flipping it back to him because Etling had tried to give Orgeron the game ball. Yeah, and Orgeron did not want the game ball. Yeah, I mean, you, you, our show that you're listening to, Place at the Table, is on demand on the SiriusXM app. Uh, Ed Ogeron is not in demand. But they're pretty happy with him right now. Congrat! Yeah, no, it's been a big season for LSU. Um, okay, well, you had your, you had your, you know, quite a week for you. Palo Alto, hanging out with Bryce Love, and then hanging out with... Your- Who, by the way, ran for 115 yards in the first four minutes of the game. Yeah, no, he's good. He, he is dwarfing... Barkley at this point, I, I think it's a little different. It's different because Barkley just does, I mean, three things insanely well, right? Uh, but he and, is his numbers Bar- are nuts. Barkley's going to have a chance over the next three weeks if he has big games in these next three games. Barkley's going to be tough to beat. He is. Place at the table. Week eight, which we'll discuss later in the week here on Place at the Table. But I mean, if you think about it, we've got Happy Valley, Michigan coming to town after barely squeaking by Indiana. I'm gonna be there. Oh, you're gonna be at Happy Valley? Yep. What's it like there? Heard it's awesome. It is. It's a great, great environment. They tailgate really well. It's a, it, you know, it's a big, beautiful campus, um, and everybody's kind of got their tailgate spot. It, it, because a lot of schools in the Big Ten don't have the the area to, to kind of spread out and tailgate the way the schools in the SEC do, but Penn State does. I mean, it's its own county, right, basically? Yeah, I mean, it's a land-grant school. It's got a huge campus, and so they tailgate really well. The student section is phenomenal. There might not be a better student section. Texas A&M and Penn State have the two best student sections in America, and they always bring it, always. So we're going to have Michigan now back to back as well Penn State with a bye but then now it gets it gets real uh Michigan and then Ohio State as well. Ohio State in Columbus coming off a bye. That's about as tough as you're going to get in the Big 10 right there. And then after that let's say they survive that then they got to go to East Lansing. Which is not going to be easy either. And you mentioned Ohio State. Ohio State, obviously, their loss this year came at the hands of Oklahoma. Let's talk about that. I, I don't know if because you were probably working, if you had a chance to really focus on this game. Um, Oklahoma jumps out big time all over Texas, mm-hmm. and then Texas just and, and you wonder. It was actually, the, it was actually kind of the same game as LSU Auburn, except Oklahoma tacked down a touchdown at the end to win it. At the end, yeah, because there was this vibe, especially coming into the second half, because I was watching it, also betting on it, that Texas was going to uh, finish this comeback. Like, things were happening. Baker Mayfield finally threw a pick, and, you know, it was just like there was this momentum building for Texas, and Oklahoma did just enough. But really good rivalry. Like watching that those two teams play. It is, and and I had a Texas fan call into my, my XM show this morning upset about you know he's tired of of them being this close to Oklahoma and feeling like they're you know they're not making any ground in the rivalry I'm like don't worry so much about the rivalry because I don't think that rivalry tells you much you know that in the last five games Oklahoma's won three Texas has won two the three games Oklahoma's won they've won by five points each each game so they're they're really close in the rivalry. They have not been close at all the rest of the season. Their programs are in entirely different places. 
And if you look at Texas right now, it's going to be hard for them to, to have a good season. I mean, they're going to have to beat somebody that they, they're going to be an underdog to to even make a bowl game. Yeah, they were, and it really does. It, it it brings up even more questions about that Oklahoma loss at home to Iowa State. I don't know if it's a look ahead. I don't know what was going on because Texas Oklahoma seems to have a game or two like that every year, though. You just think, like, especially they just came out so amped, and that Texas defensive front couldn't do anything, and it was just there's no way that the athletes on Iowa State's defense are the same as Texas's, right? No. And, and it was more Oklahoma's defense not being able to stop Iowa State's offense. But I, I don't Without know why Park. Sudden, right. I, I, I don't know why suddenly they could stop Texas's offense. Yeah. No, it's wild. All right. So where is the mood right now? And we can get to that buyout life here in just a bit. But let's let's go to the SEC. And I don't know if Butch is defiant. <laughs> no, he's not. He, I can tell you this. So, of course, Tennessee gets beat by my South Carolina Gamecocks. Jake Bentley, by the way, is the, how many programs would not want him? Uh, all right, in the SEC, I believe everybody but Alabama would trade for Jake Bentley. How good is he? He's and he was, very and good. he's, and you know what? As you mentioned, he was an early enrollee last yeah. year, young, but you know, coach's son, a little swagged out. I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. really really good, and he has legit arm strength. Yes, I mean, he's an NFL quarterback. He really is. Yeah, and no, I I would think probably a hundred twenty schools would trade for him right now. So here's the thing that I noticed about Butch. I w- watched this game intently, and what I noticed about Butch, honestly, he seemed resigned. He was being nice to people. He didn't yeah. seem overly frustrated. Uh, he was, I don't know, he's cerebral almost on the sideline. It was, it, it was almost watching a dude uh, on the Green Mile. Yeah, I think, and a lot of these guys get it. They, they know what's going to happen. They kind of accept their fate. Now, Here's the thing. They had every they had chances to win that game. They should have won that game at the very end because Must they couldn't went do in, anything offensively. Muschamp went well. They got to the two yard line. Yeah, Muschamp went into the prevent the prevent defense, which prevents you from winning, and they marched right down the field. Yeah. No, it well, uh, prior to the last drive where they had like 45 seconds, you mentioned it, they go prevent, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, Tennessee comes down the field. They had a couple opportunities on the goal line that were just broken up and uh must champion okay ease up as soon as although as soon as tennessee went back and or excuse me excuse as soon as south carolina went back into his base defense tennessee couldn't do anything anymore exactly and just because must champ i think he i think he thinks because he's sweating that we think he's trying you dude you sweat everybody sweats every just take it easy bro okay he look he's a good coach (laughs) yeah he's fine they they whatever they might win eight games or nine games this year dude <laughs> they're five and two it's which, crazy i no i'm i straight up i'm fine with Muschamp. i'd rather have babers but whatever uh Bar- barbers yeah dino barbers so again there was one thing now i'm reading into things in a in a, in a social like this, but there was one point t- towards the end of the game where a referee came up to uh butch jones and he was like you, you got to back up and butch jones just paused and he goes I'm sorry. And he like walked backwards and I'm telling you, the guy just seemed completely disconnected. I don't know how to explain it. I'm being a social, like a, a social worker here, but he just, no, you're, you're, you're being like those, uh, 
like access Hollywood type shows that that try to read the body language. Yeah, of, but he wasn't t- like. Isn't there a part of all human beings where you're just like, dude, this is the end? And he just kind of had this resigned vibe to him. Well, I mean, look, they're everybody's treating him like crap. They 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 think about it. half the people in the town or most of the people in the town he lives in want to see him gone. It probably sucks. And you know what? I'd imagine after. A year of that, which has been at least a year of that, you get pretty zen about it. Just like, eh, whatever. You don't have to do it. Cash those checks. You don't have to, Butch. <laughs> you don't have to be a refugee. Get the hell out of there. He'll get another job. You might have to go be a de coordinator or something somewhere. Be O coordinator. O coordinator somewhere. I, that that tells you how bad Tennessee's offense has been. You didn't even realize well, Chris just, Jones was an offensive guy. You're right. It's central. His offenses were really good. I believe at Cincinnati. I don't remember in particular at Cincinnati, but I know Central Michigan. They were pretty good when they had Josh Dobbs at Tennessee. Yeah, not, well, that shows you what great, he, but he, what they he's were okay. missing though is a quarterback. He just doesn't have a quarterback at this point. Yeah, he's recruited his ass off, and you may want to give John Kelly more than sixteen touches. Maybe he's only your best player. He literally is their best player. So oh, it's not even close. Yeah, so LSU beats Auburn, SEC. We've got Tennessee falling to South Carolina. And I like South Carolina with Sky Moore back, and South Carolina's defense is pretty good. They're fine. They're whatever. Um, Where else SEC should we look to as we recap week seven? I'm trying to think here. Happy or sad? You want to talk about happy happy people or sad people? Well, I mean, Georgia couldn't be happier. No, they're they're rolling. So they go into their off week? And then the the mental hurdle of the cocktail party, which I don't really think is going to be much of a hurdle for them this year. No, I don't. Th- <laughs> I don't think Florida will pose much of a challenge. And let's let's go to your boys there in Gainesville. How about them Gators? They are the same team they were last year with a little bit worse defense. They're the basically the same team they were in 2015 after Will Greer got suspended. It's just that their luck has run out. They're not really that much different. Aha. Sorry, sorry, you got lucky, babe. McIlwain. It's a great breakup song. Yeah, no. So Florida, yeah, and I, I saw you and uh, Barrett Salee, I believe is mm-hmm. how you pronounce yep. his name. You guys, he, I guess McIlwain said that his dog could run this offense. Well, that's what he said when he got hired. Oh, and originally so he said that. I, okay. I believe after three years of attempting to run it with humans. He should now attempt to run it with dogs because he's not doing very well running it with humans. It's not going well. No, and they okay, they're ready to run him out. The Florida fans are done with Jim. I, I by the Just way, agree with done. that. Well, here's the problem. Twelve and a half million dollar buyout for him, fifteen million total if you want to buy a whole staff out. So I don't know that they're going to. They just don't have an idea. Kind of like, and, and you know this, but you're so close to it. But it, there really is each week. You don't know what you're getting from a Florida team at this point. No, no, no. You know exactly what you're getting. A low score. Offensive ineptitude. And probably one or two really good defensive plays. Yeah. That's what you're getting. That's the problem. They have an identity. It's a very defined identity, and it's not good. Just exactly what they wanted, what they expected when they brought yeah. McIlwain over from Colorado State. Exactly. So here's the thing. You know, everybody's talking about, oh, Scott Frost is doing great at UCF. Nebraska's going to try to get him. Tennessee's going to try to get him. Florida should try to get him. Florida's not firing McIlwain this year. Scott Frost ain't going to be there. 
He's going to be gone. It'll be somebody next year if McIlwain can't get it turned around. But I just I don't see them doing that unless they just lose every game from here on out. Now, let's talk about Florida's schedule and the future here because it's not out of the question that they that they miss a bowl game. Mm-hmm. So they don't <laughs> they don't have the Northern Colorado win. And they're going to – well, I, I don't think you should be allowed to complain about that. If you if you miss a bowl because Northern Colorado got canceled, too bad. You should have played better in the games that mattered. Mm-hmm. But the, they are probably going to lose to Georgia. Yeah, please. They had better win at Missouri. If they don't win at Missouri, then then perhaps my whole they're not going to spend the money thing, maybe, maybe that goes out the window. Then they play at the snake pit that is Williams-Rice Stadium. Thank you. <laughs> Which is, I think is a toss-up at this point. <laughs> then they play UAB. UAB's actually not bad. If they lose to UAB at home, also, they'll find the money. UAB is back, baby. And then they have Florida State, which I think by that point in the season will be playing a little bit better and probably handle them pretty pretty handily. Handle them handily. Yeah. I, I'm running out of words. You got it's lucky. Been a long week. It's been a long week. <laughs> you got lucky with that. All right, can we just go transition into... Find out who is on the hot seat, what jobs could open up, which coach could be getting paid to stay at home. It's time for That Buyout Life. All right, so here's the thing with McIlwain. Hadn't had quarterbacks, had issues with Will Greer, obviously. The defense was off the charts. Not mm-hmm. something he's known for. I don't know if you can attribute, you know, the defense's success to him. Well, you, yeah, I mean, you can attribute to Muschamp, who recruited most of those guys, Jeff Collins, who was the defensive coordinator for those first two years, who is now at Temple. Uh, Randy Shannon has done a lot of the recruiting of, of the better players, too, so he's the current defensive coordinator and does all right. Uh, they don't have a bad defense. They still have a, a pretty good defense. It's just not complete shut down defense like it has been the last two Here's years. my thing with McIlwain coming into this season. The transfer in Zaire, Franks, Del Rio left over. Mm-hmm. It, 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 he didn't really have a grasp on the quarterback position even coming into this season. No, he did not. And that's an issue. It's year three. Yeah, there's no excuse for that. None. That, you, you can't blame that on your predecessor. That's your fault. So... The, the, but the thing is, I just don't see them coming up with that money. I don't think the Florida administration is particularly happy with McIlwain or, or thinks he's a long-term solution. But I don't think they want to spend that money right now. Do they care in Gainesville? I, no, that's a stupid question. Do, what do you think the majority in Gainesville would like to see happen with McIlwain? They'd like to make a change. And who would the change be? Who would be the most coveted Florida Gator it as depend- far as a head coach, does he have to have Florida ties? No. It, it depends on who who you're asking. If you're asking the people who watch a lot of football, I think they'd probably want Scott Frost. Uh, or if you're asking a younger person. If you're asking someone who goes with the names they know, they're going to say Charlie Strong. Please. But I think Scott Frost would be the probably the better choice. But you could – here's the thing. They could – they could get a guy sitting at another school, too. They could pay. Dan Mullen would probably do pretty well at Florida. I know he lost a couple games, but let's look at this realistically. He's got the sixth sixth best recruiting job in the SEC West, just ahead of Arkansas. And he's done a lot with not very much. You give him a chance to recruit those four stars and five stars, 
he would do a very good job, which is why I think somebody is going to try to get him, like maybe Tennessee. So that would be one possibility. Babers. Barbers. I think Dino, you, I think Dino Babers you, in the is, SEC would kill it. He is he like, would kill it. He's such a no brainer that when somebody when one of these huge programs eventually hires him, everybody's gonna be like, Oh, I should have saw that coming. Well here's the thing about Babers that that you know, he, he has a definite offensive identity and he gets his players to believe they are better than they are. The defense was flying against Clemson. Yeah. So Compare and contrast Syracuse-Clemson, where there's probably as big a talent deficit as there is between Ohio State and Nebraska. Same talent deficit. Look at the two different results. Look at what Dino Babers did, and look what Mike Riley did. Yeah, that's a great point. Because part of coaching is being able to convince players to be better than they are. To When they all come together, they can be the, greater than the sum of their parts and not less than the sum of their parts, which is what Mike Riley's Nebraska team is. So that's why Baber – and I want to see Babers against Miami this week. Now, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it, it's only going to be – That's at Miami. Yeah, maybe it's only going to be an upset or two every year at Syracuse for him. Well, they beat Virginia Tech last year. They did. That's what I'm saying. They had the Virginia Tech one last year. Then they – I mean, once Dungy got hurt last year, they, the wheels kind of fell off for them. That pit game was just – oh. It wasn't even football, um, but they are. They seem to be across the board better this year. You see how his players react to him too. I know it's cheesy, oh, but in those post game, no, like with that the, stuff matters. I know. I'm. I'm telling you, I would be so fast to hire. I would wipe out Muschamp tomorrow to bring in Babers. Yeah, I mean, Dabo I really does, would. Dabo does all that stuff. Meyer does that all that stuff. That plays on social media, man. Absolutely. Now, now good looking Saban, brother. It works. Saban's not that way. He's he's a little so bit different he's, style. Yeah, that's an anomaly, right? But but James Franklin's like that. Dabo's like oh. that. Urban's like that. They're all they all have that same kind of mentality where they can get them so fired up that they're ready to run through a wall. I forgot. I got to ask you a question. I, I asked this to your boy Michael Felder, the Bleacher Report dude. That oh yeah, he's completely offended by anybody asking him college football questions because people like me are so dumb when it comes to college football. But it's cool. Uh, I asked him, My, Michael Felder, former UNCD be- defensive back. Yeah, and I, nor do I ever pretend to even come close to conceptualizing. Anything also an excellent chef when it comes to football I asked him and he, he, he I think this is one that he liked um, if you were starting a program right now would you take Franklin or Harbaugh Franklin he said Harbaugh really really yeah maybe because he's less rapey come on I don't like Franklin I know you don't it's just it's a vibe it's guy- a whole the guy knows what he's doing. And Harbaugh doesn't? Harbaugh knows what he's doing, but I don't know. Franklin didn't know what he was doing with Hackenberg, and O'Brien did. Uh, kind of, a little bit, maybe. They weren't that good when, <laughs> when Hackenberg and O'Brien Hackenberg was pretty good under... O'Brien was good. O'Brien's good with quarterbacks. Has Hackenberg been good with anybody else? Uh, certainly not with the Jets. Yeah. Okay, so you take Franklin over Harbaugh. Yeah, I think it would right now. Okay. One for Felder. Felder says he's taking Harbaugh. Staples says he's taking Franklin. Uh, those two square off next week. Buyout life continues here on Place at the Table. Brett Bielema. It's not looking good. 
Not so much. No Alabama 41, Arkansas 9. Didn't really expect anything different. Arkansas went with the offensive tackle size quarterback for a little while. I was appreciate, appreciating that. And, you know, we know about Bielema's buyout now, which I thought was interesting because, you know, one of their beat writers finally read the contract. What is it, like four and a half million? It went from five, 12 to five, four? 5.2 five or 5.9. Oh, five, it, it's. There's a number in there that says 15.4 million, but it's actually part of a formula that you have to do. And sports writers were not good at math, so yeah, that's that's what happened with that. So yeah, I mean that's that's the one. But that we haven't talked about the guy who is most assuredly gone, Jim Mora, Mike Riley. Riley was on my list. I mean that. You know, what did you, so it was Ohio, was a win over Ohio State going to save his job? We didn't see that. I didn't expect that. No, no, no. A pulse against Ohio State might have helped. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. This basically decided it for him. They hired an athletic director on Sunday named Bill Moose. He's the, he was a AD at Washington State, uh, also known as the guy who hired Mike Leach at Washington, Washington State and used to be the AD at Oregon. Uh, he's the guy who convinced Phil Knight to start giving all that money. So are his or ties Oregon in the sense that that's where his his coaching tree would spawn from? Bill Moose? Yeah. Well, I mean, he went to Washington State. Well, but. why why Nebraska not hiring another Nebraska guy seems like an odd play. I think it's probably a, a good idea. You think so? You don't want to be too sentimental about so it. So it would be a bad idea to bring in Frost in your opinion? No, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to bring in Frost. I think I, I and I assume they would go after Frost. I just don't know if he's going to pick them. Why? Because they're they don't have lots of players around them, and he might have offers from schools that do, that are they're all other things equal, and there's more players around. Remember, he turned down coaching jobs until UCF came along, because UCF is surrounded by really good players. Is Sumlin safe at A and M? For the moment, and he's trending toward keeping his job, uh, but. Look, if they lose to Auburn or lose to LSU, they'll still be eight and four, and there's a good chance they fire him anyway. I mean that that, that whole relationship is so broken at this point, and and I think Kevin has done a phenomenal job, one recruiting through getting completely kneecapped by his own AD mm. on national television, absolutely, and two, just because all the negativity, and he's managed to turn a young team into a pretty good team. You know, if they didn't collapse against UCLA, we would be looking at them not as a playoff contender, but as, you know, one of the probably the third best team in the SEC. Because they gave Alabama a bigger challenge than anybody else has. You know, they they they, went, they go to Florida and win. It wasn't the prettiest win. I don't think they played particularly well, but they still come, came away with a road win. So, if they can uh, yesterday showed that Auburn can be beaten by a good enough team. Uh so if they beat Auburn, if they beat Mississippi State, and I'm mixing up the order of those games, they play Mississippi State first. But if they beat those two teams, they get New Mexico, they can beat them. They got to beat LSU. <laughs> they be playing. They could be playing LSU to potentially go ten and two. Now they have not beaten LSU since they've been in the SEC. And if LSU really turned a corner yesterday, by the time they play it, the last game of the season, they might not be able to beat them then either. But nine and three. I would think keeps his job. All right. You mentioned Auburn. Malzahn. 
That's a really interesting one. I kind of put Malzahn in the McIlwain bucket for now. But the difference is really the difference between the administrations at, at Florida and Auburn. You're never truly safe as the Auburn coach. The only time you're actually safe as Auburn's coach is if you are holding the national championship trophy as confetti falls. That's hmm. the only time you're really safe at Auburn. So at any point, they could decide, we're done with you. And the standard is different because they're expected to compete with Alabama, and they don't care that Nick Saban is on this historic run. They feel like we'll just find somebody who can, who can compete with them, even though there might be no one who can. So let's say Auburn lost to Texas A&M and then lost to Georgia and then lost to Alabama. That would be a disaster. Mm. And remember, the AD, Jay Jacobs, is on the ropes too. So it wouldn't be completely shocking if someone tried to sweep Malzahn. Malzahn's in a really weird position. I had one of the reporters that was sitting next to me made a good point yesterday. How much of an offensive guru are you if they don't want you to have much control over the offense? If your administration and your fans don't want you to have very much control of the offense. They get worried when you have more control of the offense. So that that's how far he's fallen in terms of esteem as an offensive guru. Now, I don't know that they would lose all those games. But if they did, I think they would make a change. I think you'd be surprised. Stidham's starting to click. And as far as, like, he yards... For, he threw for six yards. Your, no, yards per play, even in, this, in the second half. I mean, they couldn't move. They could not move the ball. And defensively, Auburn was has been good this year, which yeah. is, you know, g- g- counterintuitive to the Malzahn traits right. coming in. Right. I mean, the last two years, their defense has been lights out. Yeah, last year as well. Yeah. Yeah. So... Credit to Kevin Steele for that. Credit to, to Will Muschamp for kind of setting the table for that. But I mean, they can't they can't be seven and five. I don't think that's going to be good enough. And and Auburn is a job where if it opened, there'd be a bunch of sitting head coaches who'd be like, "Ooh, really? I'm intrigued." Yeah, they got great players. Was it more surprising to you? That no, now we just shift from that buyout life. We, did we miss anybody? I don't think Moore is coming back here at UCLA. I, 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 yeah, they they were not good against Arizona. That's not happening anymore. It just doesn't seem like now he's got a huge buyout too. He's a eleven million dollar buyout and an AD that's notoriously tight fisted. But I just at a certain point you kind of have to do the math about how much you're going to lose in donations by putting a bad football team on the field. Yeah. And and then just figure out okay what where am I going to lose less money here? My three years here, he's had makeovers in the off season each year. You know what I mean? Like the intention was different coming into each season. It, yeah. That's that's when a person's desperate, right? And he just it hasn't gotten done here. It's like, like an identity crisis. It's like that dude who tries a different look every day at work. Yeah, or like, it's like, like now I'm goth. Yeah, I'm I'm Andy. It's or it's just like growing out a mullet at age fifty. Come after me. Exactly. I'm a man. I'm Andy. Place at the table. <laughs> now, speaking of which, how shocking was it at the pep rally when Gundy takes off his shirt and Rudolph takes off his shirt and Gundy looked like Looks the twenty-two-year-old? Yeah. Shockingly, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Shockingly, Mason Rudolph had a dad bod. 
as someone who has Gundy a dad bod, was, I can't I can't fault no, I mean, anybody I'm not, who does. Again, but, I'm not being But yeah, I was like I was like Gundy Gundy was cut. Yeah. Gundy that and Larry Fedora need to have uh <laughs> need to have a little little yeah. wrestle off or something. <laughs> I was shocked by that. I I I think that's got to be some genetic factor, right? What you mean like most people tend to droop when they hit their late 40s, early 50s. Are you accusing them of performance enhancing? No, genetics usually have nothing to do oh, with Oh, you mean like enhancing. I no, no, no. He just has a naturally like when he yeah. took his shirt off, it's like no, dude, I, you're naturally cut from day yeah. one. Yeah, I think I think there's a genetic component to it with, with him and Fedora where those dudes are just gonna be ripped always. Yeah. No, it was pretty impressive. It's, it's, it's like the guys if they never touch a weight, they're still they still look pretty good. And then the second they touch a weight, then they get super cut up. It generally starts, and I think Gundy's got a little bit of this. It generally starts with if you're if you're resting, if your idle thing is to be kind of skinnier, mm-hmm. and then yep. so like when he took it. See, Rudolph had has this thing where it's like if he just went hard P ninety X for like a month, he's going to be just absolutely jacked. Gundy yeah. had this thing like I I went to the gym once in a month, but I'm still kind of ripped out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's just born that way. All right. Do we have anybody, before we get to what's good, do we have anything here uh, that we've missed? Stanford, we me- mentioned completely on a roll. The the Red River, that was pr- a very good game. 20, 29-24, Oklahoma holds on late. USC, Whittingham goes for it, uh, holds on against Utah here at home in L.A. Uh, the Boise State-San Diego uh, State game was a, a bit shocking, just compa- comparatively. Um, I'm just trying to TCU at Kansas State. There was like a three and a half hour delay here because of lightning. TCU ends up whooping up on Kansas State, twenty six six. That, um, Michigan, Michigan hadn't given up, I believe, a fourth quarter point all year. Indiana comes back, and yeah, Michigan that holds, thing was crazy. That really overtime. was wild. Yeah, and and Michigan scoring on the first play of overtime, you're like, okay, they're they're going to be all right. But for a second there, you're like, what is the reaction going to be if they lose to Indiana? Because their fan base is already now they're not mad at Harbaugh like Florida fans are at McElwain. No, but they are kind of checked out on on the offense this season. I think the and reality is they know they don't like the quarterback situation. Is this, yeah, this, disaster. This just may not be their year. I think. Yeah, I think they've got that figured out. And because the thing is, he's made it work with with the quarterback the last two years. Rudock, he made it work with and, as well. And, and historically, he's he's had good quarterback play. So that you you got to think. He'll have somebody next year, whether it's somebody who's young and just getting developed. Maybe it's Dylan McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's brother. Yep. And or or somebody they bring in. So I, I yeah, I mean he he's got enough body of work to build confidence that he'll have it figured out by next year. That's a good point as far as you know, as quarterbacks and making it work. Rudock was a transfer, but prior in the NFL, you know, he completely made it work with Kaepernick. Now, you and me as a gambler and you as a college football senior writer for Sports Illustrated, we, we watched Kaepernick at Nevada enough to think that he was going to be awesome in the pros, right. just didn't think it would flame out this way. No, it would be – I didn't well, – Was he running the it, pistol? Remember, but, this was gonna, but, but they took some of those pistol concepts and used them in uh, – In San the Francisco. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, I mean – I think it was, that was a case of NFL defenses didn't know what they were looking at. The difference between college defenses and NFL defenses is college defenses need several years to adjust to that. NFL defenses need weeks or months. Especially the competition he was playing in college. Didn't know if yeah. it's, but you knew the talent was there. Right. Um. Okay. Memphis beating Navy. 
I don't know. It was kind of random, but uh, let's see. West Virginia, no surprise. I mean, really, West Virginia, well, Texas. West Virginia was down for a yeah, while. But that's kind of a toss-up between West Virginia and Texas Tech, right? You knew it was going to be a shootout. You, yeah, you knew that the Texas Tech was going to score some, and you also knew or have a feeling that Texas Tech is going to give up a bunch toward the end that their defense just can't hold out. And uh, Greer was – so, interesting stat going back to Florida. Will Greer – former Florida quarterback, has thrown 50, uh, 21 touchdown passes this year. Florida's quarterbacks combined have thrown four. <laughs> That's in Greer. Wait, wait, hold on. Two of those came when Kentucky <laughs> only had 10 men on the field, and one of them came on that last play against Tennessee. Shout to Mark Stoops. And in Greer, remember, I mean, he could have changed the fortunes for McIlwain, uh, yes. He just, yes. unlike Will, Gundy, imagine he did Will like to dabble Greer, in drugs. Imagine Will Greer last year. With that defense. With that Florida defense. Yep. Imagine that. <laughs> Would have been sick. But it's working out very well for him. Working out really well for Gary Jennings and David Sills because they're having big years. So uh, that's a, and Justin Crawford too. That That's a really good offense. And uh, that TCU went against them looking more impressive the more they... TCU looking very impressive. Um, now, Ertz was out for Kansas State. Big delay, but still, TCU did exactly what they needed to do. You know, TCU's... If you look at TCU's schedule, it spaces itself out so much better than any other Big 12 team's schedule. Like, they never have two really rough ones in a row. Pretty good wins, though. I mean, if you think about going to Oklahoma State, going to Stillwater, and then now Kansas State, they went to Arkansas, obviously not huge now, but still, TCU has been uber consistent, the most consistent, obviously, in that conference. Yeah, and Oklahoma State's just kind of sitting there. Yeah, just waiting waiting in the weeds. The waiting, they say. That's the hardest part. All right, let's... Name a city, and Andy has eaten there. Choose a restaurant, and he'll break it down better than a cover two defense. Let's find out what's good. Down on the bayou, Andy Staples. Are we going to go to the bayou, or do we want to go to the uh, the Bay Area? Yeah, let's go. Ooh, you got something from the Bay? Yeah. Bay Area and back down. Let's go. All right. So, in Palo Alto, and, and actually, I think they... I think they started in Palo Alto, but they, they have locations in San Francisco, San Jose, uh, San Mateo, kind of up throughout the Bay Area. And I'm a sucker for pun restaurant names. It's a place called Curry Up Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Indian place. I don't hate it. Is, but does Steph the, own it? Uh, not Steph, but I, I imagine it has done more business over the last few years in the Bay Area. Uh, so... Their big thing is is you know chicken tikka masala the the Indian dish. Um, they take that and stuff it into a burrito, mm-hmm. and it's very good. That sounds delicious. But you can also get either chicken tikka masala or lamb tikka masala poutine. So take that tikka masala sauce, and I got the lamb, and so you've got lamb chunks in tikka masala sauce. Yum over. Sweet potato waffle fries. Watch your mouth. <laughs> it's so good. It's damn good. It's so freaking good. Wow. So, so yeah, the, the 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 Canadians and the Indians getting together and producing beautiful, beautiful carbs. And it's called Steph Curry Up now. It's called. That's right, Steph Curry Up now. 
It's called Curry Up Now, and that's in Palo Alto. Yes, Curry Up Now in Palo Alto. Get the lamb tikka masala fries. And well, no, those are the or lamb tikka masala poutine. And the fries are the waffle fries, which are just sweet, slept on. Wh- sweet potato waffle fries. Sweet potato, which which Chick Fil A tried in like two test markets and then decided not to go nationwide with. Yeah, they bailed out. I'm so disappointed. I just went today for a barbecue off of La Brea. You probably mm-hmm. know it here in L.A. It's called, damn it, now I can't think of what it's called. I was going to keep the name for you, I've never been to damn it, now I can't think of what it's called. No, it's, oh, gosh darn it. I'll get you up for Wednesday. I bet you've been there. I don't think I have. I don't, I've never been to a barbecue place off La Brea. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. You know, you got it, Dustin. What is it called? It's a Bloodsos. Bloodsos. With a U. Bloodsos. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the website right now. Yeah. I think it's like a dude from Texas or something that came up Mm -hmm. and decided to regulate in L.A. Yeah, you know it's kind of so, bougie. I've not been there. the 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 best barbecue I've had in that area is a place called Beachwood Barbecue. That uh, they started in Long Beach, and I think they've got one in Seal Beach also. Okay, and it's 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 very good. That let's see. That's week seven. We mentioned we didn't think anything was going to happen or pop because well on paper, but then chaos ensued. Always, always does. Week eight got a Happy Valley. Wolverines come to town. USC at Notre Dame. That's see Notre Dame beats and this is uh, I was giving Felder a hard time. What Felder said was he thinks Notre Dame is 50-50 right now. If they beat USC, he thinks they run the table. I think they will beat USC, but I do not think they will run the table. I just think that NC State looming, it, it Stanford stacks, looming. Yeah, that that schedule stacks up too much. It's just too many good teams in a row. Most teams can can slip a cupcake in there. The easiest team left on that schedule is Wake Forest. That's not that easy. The next easiest is Navy, which is never easy. So, and then and then you've got to deal with USC, NC State, Miami, Stanford. I mean, come on, that's that's asking a lot. But coming off an open date, playing a USC team that just won an, a very tough, getting beat up game against Utah, I think Notre Dame wins this week. Elimination game, really, for the two of them. Think oh, about yeah. it. USC, yes. Notre Dame, Absolutely. you're out. You keep, you win, you're still in it. That's right. Uh, Syracuse at Miami, still a game, too. That should be an interesting game now with the hype coming off of be- uh, uh, beating Clemson. And Miami, oh, we didn't even really mention that. How about Miami? Georgia Tech had every chance to win that game. Big pass late and a field goal to win it for Miami. Yeah, Langham is something, man. If I need somebody to catch a ball at the end of the game to save my life, He's the guy I'm picking. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, place at the table. Download, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, PATTpodcast.com. You can find Andy Staples at Andy underscore Staples. Head him up with questions for the mailbag as well. Give us a follow on Twitter at PATTpodcast. Thoughts on the way out, Mr. Staples? I need to go to sleep because LSU takes it out of you. Good night.